Once again, what a blessing it is to be here. Just, uh, it warms my heart. Thank you for all your encouragement. Continue to pray for us. Uh, while Nancy was in Florida, she was in a home of a lady that heard the message. Nancy was Zooming, and that lady made two comments about the message. Number one, it was filled with Scripture. And number two, there wasn't a word said about giving. <laughs> so I appreciated that a lot. We're going to be in the 33rd chapter of the book of Numbers today. Put your marker there, but we would like to read a couple of passages that lead up to this. This 33rd chapter of the book of Numbers shares with us the journeys of the children of Israel from the time they left Egypt until they got up to the edge of the promised land. And there are 42 different places that the Lord had them stop. And they're all listed there. And I'm sure if we took the time, there is a wonderful message in all of the definitions of those 42 places. But that will be another study. But if you would turn with me before we go to the book of Numbers chapter 33, to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 12. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, we have a summation, a short summation of what we have here in this book. In fact, it covers some more time, but it lists, it gives us an idea, a history of the children of Israel from different vantage points. Here in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12, and beginning with verse 6, and it says, And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron. It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron. Moses would have continued herding sheep on the backside of the desert, and Aaron would have been unheard of, except the Lord advanced them. The Lord put them where they were. And that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. It was the Lord that advanced them out of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. When Jacob was coming to Egypt and your fathers cried unto the Lord, and then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. Four hundred years are in that one verse. The children of Israel were in servitude for 400 years after there arose who Pharaoh, a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. All right? And it tells us there in verse 9, and, went, and when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the host of Hazar, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. And they cried unto the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtoreth, but now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies and we will serve thee. And the Lord sent Zerubbabel, uh, uh, Jeroboam and Bedan and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of the enemies on every side and you dwell safe." So it brings us up to the judges at that point, and that's where we are in our Wednesday night study. We're not quite at this point. The first judge hasn't been assigned yet, 
But we have, in those few short verses, the history of Israel. But we just want to keep in mind, it was the Lord that brought them up. All right. Another passage of Scripture I'd like to go to before we go to the book of Numbers, chapter 33, is found over in the New Testament in the book of Acts. The book of Acts and chapter 13. The book of Acts, chapter 13. And in this chapter, we find... So much said about Israel, chapter 13 of the book of Acts, how precious it is when we get down to verse 48 of this this history, this list. In verse 48, we have these words, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Now, just think, a history lesson, and the conclusion of it is, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Well, let's back up just a little bit, because we want to especially pay attention to a verse, uh, verse 18. But start with me in verse 16. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. Now, there's a whole bunch of these people that he's talking to when he says those that fear God, they thought they did, but they didn't know what the fear of God is. To truly have fear for God is to be regenerate, to have respect and honor and bow before him. Then he goes on to say in verse 17, and the God of this people of Israel chose our fathers. Notice where the apostle Paul begins in this. The, The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelled as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with a high arm brought them out of it. And about the time, verse 18, notice this, about the time of 40 years, that's our time we've been traveling through the book of Numbers, suffered he their manners in the wilderness. He suffered with their unmanners, in other words. He suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when they had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided the land into their lot, book of Joshua. And after that, he gave them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet, the book of Judges covered in one verse, the book of Joshua covered in one verse. And afterward, they desired a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. So we've got First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles going on here. And this man... See, God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior. We've got to the New Testament. The history has traveled so quickly in these few verses. It is common knowledge to most of those. This is what they've been taught in their elementary, middle, and high school, and even college courses. This is their history, and he's just bringing it up. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, verse 23, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, What think ye that I am? I am not he. 
But behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. You know, everything that we read in the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all has to do with this great salvation that Paul is mentioning here about this. You, the word of this salvation is sent. The salvation that only comes from God has been sent in every generation, has been declared in every generation, has been declared in the generations that look like they were dark generations, the dark ages. You know what? The gospel continued to be preached in those times, in medieval times, wherever it was, and we have it down to this day that God has given us the word of salvation for they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. So they read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Old Testament prophets, the Psalms, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, all of those, and they continued, and what do they do? They declare the Lord Jesus and what the prophets had to say, and they fulfilled him in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the sepulcher. But God raised him up from the dead. <laughs> you know, as we go down to verse 48, it says, the many of the Jews says, we don't want this. But a bunch of Gentiles said, we would like to hear more about this. And then we get to verse 48, and it says, and when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. That's what's going on in every generation, and that's what's going on in this one. All right, would you join me back in the book of Numbers, chapter 33. The book of Numbers, chapter 33, and we're going to go not through all of this. There's a lot of name places here. It's like reading a map. <laughs> if you're going to go across country... Where are you going to spend the nights? You know, I used to be able to travel about 18 hours. Now it's three. <laughs> I'm looking for a motel. I want a place to rest. The book of Numbers, chapter 33, we have here in the opening verses of this chapter, these, verse 1, these are the journeys of the children of Israel which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And Moses wrote these goings out according to their journeys by the commandment of the Lord, and these are the journeys according to their goings out. So this is a commandment of the Lord. Did you know what? All of the writers of the Old Testament and New Testament wrote by the commandment of the Lord. Moses wrote this by the commandment of the Lord, and he wanted Israel to have a history of how he had led them. As we go through here, we find so much about the children of Israel declared in this chapter of Scripture. First of all, we find out that they spent two years before they got up to Ramoth, and then they went, spent 38 more years in the wilderness. All right, now... 
Keep your finger right here and turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you would. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We have a similar passage of scripture here in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that shares with us what's going on here. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. The Lord encouraged the people to remember their travels, where it was. Some of you have got far enough into my office to notice that I have some pictures of my hometown. <laughs> uh, it's a clutter in there, but it's my clutter. Yeah. I know where most things are. <laughs> There's some pictures of my hometown, very small town on the California-Oregon border south of Lakeview. There were supposedly at one time 260 people there, and my grandmother said they had to count the cats and the dogs to get that many. But I have those pictures there that I can see from my desk, and my, the pastor who brought me the gospel said, never forget where you came from. Never forget where you came from. Now, that's my way of remembering where he brought me from out of a horrible pit. He set my feet on a solid rock. He established my goings and put a new song in my heart. But I have that for that reason. It is good to remember. Now notice here. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. For 40 years he led the children of Israel and he wanted them to remember all the way. So that's why we have chapter 33 in the book, in the Bible, because he wanted them to remember. Now there's some things that he's going to ask us to remember too. We find out here that Moses wrote this list and true to fulfilling his word, it was for good or evil, but he did have it written. It's a memorial, not only of the historical interest, but of the deep religious significance as showing how Israel had been led by him who was faithful and true in keeping his promise. Now, over in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, again, in verse uh, 4, I believe it is. Verse 4, notice that there? <coughs> The blessings of this travel. Now, this same blessings to God's people after he saves us, we're not looking for new shoes and we're not looking for new raiment. Oh, here it says in verse 4, Thy raiment wax not old upon thee. For 40 years they didn't have to go to, what do we have here in town now? Uh, Fred Myers or Coastal to get some clothes. <laughs> they didn't go shopping. They had the same clothes for 40 years. It did not wear out. Now, I have some shirts that are 20 years old. My dear wife says, you can't wear those in public. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they wear out in such a short time. And then, if you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy 29, some more is shared with us with regard to their travels through the wilderness. Step by step, day by day, we have this. It tells us here in verse chapter 29, verses 1 through 5 of the book of Deuteronomy. And these are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. 
And Moses called unto the children of Israel and said unto them, Ye have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, unto Pharaoh, and unto all his servants, and unto all the land. And great temptations which thine eyes have seen, the signs and the great miracles. And then Moses said, Yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive, and eyes to see, and ears to hear unto this day. I have led you forty years in the wilderness, and your clothes are not waxen old upon you, and your shoe is not waxen old upon thy foot. Another passage it shares with us that their feet did not swell for the 40 years. Well, we find out when the Lord saves us, he gives us raiment that we're not looking for different raiment. We have his robe of righteousness. And our shoes is the preparation of the gospel of peace. We're not looking for more shoes. God gives us everything we need when he gives us the new birth that will last us not only for this life, but for eternity. That is the clothing that he gives us. Moses shares with us much about this. And he tells us, if you'll go with me to the, back to the book of Numbers chapter 33 for just a moment. Numbers chapter 33, it shares with us there, verse 4 of that chapter 33. When the children of Israel left Egypt... This is said about those left behind, the Egyptians. For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the Lord had smitten among them upon their gods also, the Lord executed judgments. Now that's an interesting verse. When children of Israel, those chosen by God, they represent or pictured the church, those left behind, they buried their dead, and he judged their gods. The gods of this world are judged at the cross. There is no value in them whatsoever. The value is in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. How much these stages of the Israelites travel resemble our stages. You know, if we start here, it says in verse 4, uh, or verse 5, the children of Israel were removed from Ramses and pitched in Sukkoth, and they part, departed from Sukkoth and pitched in Etham, 42 different names are listed down through as we travel through this book, and it's just one place on the map to the next place on the map. And when we find that they did not go into the promised land there, at, uh, when the spies came back with an evil report, they traveled back and forth across the land. Their map was in a very small area, but they continued to travel over and over and over through the same parcel of land. But the scriptures tell us one thing, very important about this, that it was when the pillar of fire moved, they moved. When the pillar of light moved, or the cloud, they moved. Whether they camped a day, a week, a month, or a year, whether it was day or night, when those two items, one or the other, moved, they camped, pulled up camp and moved. And when it stopped, they put down their tents and stayed there. Every step that they travel, they have absolute, sovereign, godly leadership. Even those who did not know Christ. They had leadership from a heavenly, holy father. The children of Israel that knew Christ had special kind of leadership. They had the Holy Spirit leadership of them. In uh, 
Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Psalms, Psalm 107. Psalm 107, we find here that even the psalmist was caused to write about these stops and everything that they traveled through the wilderness there in that 40 years of wilderness. In Psalm 107 and verse 1, the scriptures share this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. Verse 7, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to the city of habitation. He led them by the right way. We say, is this the right way? If it's the Lord's way, it's the right way. It may go contrary to what we think about things, but it is the right way, and we will be at the right place. What a history of the travels of the children of Israel as we go through this chapter. Now, I'm going to leave the reading of it to you, the rest of it. We're going to deal with the last five or six verses, Lord willing, next Sunday. But I, would like, I ask this question, what is the history of the travels of the church? I have a history of the travels of the children of Israel, and it's very explicit. Travel here to here to here, camp, go, camp, go, camp, go. The Holy Spirit led them. Pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, every step of the way, just like he does for the church today. But what is the history of the church? Now, I'm not talking about church history. I've got books in my library of church history, and some of them are good and some of them are bad. You know, one old preacher said, books are like fish. You've got to pick out the bones. And I, you have to, because most of those writers have some axe to grind, <laughs> But church history is fine, but I'm talking about the history of the church. What is the history of the church? I know the history of Israel. You know, we can trace the history of Israel clear back to Abraham. But we, can, we don't have to stop there either. But Abraham is generations before the children of Israel are taken into the Sinaitic uh, travels, before that list in, in Numbers chapter 33. We have Abraham chosen out of Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham is given a son of promise. Now we have him raising up a son, and God said, then. <laughs> we don't hear it in the New Testament, but we hear it in the New, I mean, the Old Testament, we hear it in the New Testament. Paul said, this is an allegory. We have the son of Hagar, and we have the son of Sarah, and these are an allegory. You know, in that, Abraham could be comforted. We have an allegory. We have that which represents Mount Sinai, which gendereth bondage. And we have that which represents heavenly Jerusalem, Mount Zion, which gendereth peace and freedom and liberty. So we have those. We could go back there. Isaac born. God asked Abraham to offer up Isaac. You know what Abraham believed? He believed he was going to have to offer up Isaac up there. But he also believed that he was able to raise him from the dead. Where does a person get that kind of faith? 
from God and God alone. You know, I've read a lot of comments. Oh, God would never ask that to be happened. Never ask that to be done. He did. It was. And Abraham came down off of that mountain victorious. He told those people who kept the donkeys, we will be back. All right. So we can trace the line of Israel. We can go back to Abraham. We can go back to Noah. We can go back to Adam. And in all of that, he had chosen out a people to be his people to deliver the Son of God in his time through the tribe of Judah after the line of David. Now, what's the history of the travels of the church of the living God? Well, I take great comfort as I read into the scriptures that God had an interest. He has the history of the church beginning before there was time. And you really, when we look at the history of the church, we have two words that make up that word. H-I-S-S-T-O-R-Y. His story. He has his story about the church. And we find out in the scriptures, we will not come to this conclusion in our own natural mind, but we find out in the scriptures that he had an interest in the church before the foundation of the world. You know what? That's just the way it is in the natural world too. The child doesn't know how he got here at first, but it was someone else planning. (laughs) All right. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew. As we think about the travels of Israel in the wilderness, they much resemble the travels of the church. As God leads his people from here to there, as he leads his people from Egypt to the promised land, as he leads us from where he found us in our desperate condition and the gospel was brought to us until we meet him in glory, there is a history that he gives us and this history began before the foundation of the world. He had an interest in his people his people, a people, his people, before the world began. In the book of Matthew, chapter 25, we read these comforting words that Lord comforts his church with every day. As we go through the scriptures, we find that there is great comfort to know that God not only watched over Israel from the time that Jacob went down into Egypt. Oh, let's back up a little bit before that he looked, watched over Israel in Isaac, Let's back up a little bit more. He looked over Israel in Abraham, and we back up a little more, and we get back to Noah. He looked over Israel in Noah, and you know what? He looked over Israel in Adam. Just as he had a people in Adam before the foundation of the world. They are going to fall with him, yes, but he's going to bring them out. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 34, this just comforts my soul. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand. Now, if we look at this, the whole whole incident here, we find as a shepherd doth separate his sheep from the goats. They all belong to him, but he is in a separation mode now. He's going to put the sheep on the right-hand side and the goats on the left-hand side, and he knows them all. They all belong to him. They are all his people. And he says here, Come, ye blessed of my Father, 
You have a special blessing from God Almighty. Come, thou blessed of my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, this is just not a solitary passage of Scripture, but God had an interest, just like he did with national Israel. He had an interest and watched over them and cared for them until they came down to the promised land, and then he continued to care for them. Why were they not just utterly destroyed? Because in Judah shall my son be called. So Judah is going to have to endure down to, we call it, zero year. <laughs> there's no B.C. and there's no A.D. It's that zero point when the Messiah came and was born. All right. Look with me, if you would, over here into the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. And Revelation chapter 21, and the book of Revelation is such a comforting book. You find a problem, you're going to find a deliverer. Problems are going to come up, and some of them look so insurmountable. How in the world will we ever get out of this? The, the enemy is described with such huge words and such tactics, and we find, oh, but he that is the deliverer has much greater and better tactics. But They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Here in the book of of uh, Revelation chapter 21, and there in verse 27, we read these words. It says, And there shall in no wise enter into it, into this city, anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. These who are in that. Now, these have a new heart. These have a pure heart. <laughs> These have a heart to love God. These have a heart to love Jesus. It's not our natural instinct to love God. In fact, it's the opposite. But God gives us a new heart so that we can love him. In the same vein, travel back with me to the book of Titus. Titus, as we think of the history of the church, the history of the church is bound up in the word of God. And God's word tells us, informs us, is commanded to us, that these things are just the way they are. I have you in my, in my mind before the world began. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. We read these comforting verses of Scripture. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The Scriptures say this, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect, an acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. God had promised a eternal life to some before the world began. And we could go to the book of Romans, but let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. As we think about the beginnings of the history. Now, there is no beginnings because the church is found in the everlasting covenant, and that's just what it means. There is no beginning to it, and there's no end to that covenant. There is no beginning of God's love for the church. He loved us with an everlasting love. So there's no, not a time that he didn't have love for the church and not a time that he did not have a purpose in the church. You explain that. Everlasting to me is inexplainable. It's just, I, I, I. that's a word I like to use though because it means also everlasting life. Here in the book of Titus, chapter 1, 
verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope, excuse me, I was going to Ephesians, wasn't I? We've already read that. Let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 4. Chapter 1, verse 4. These great list of blessings here, just like God gave to national Israel. Blessing of manna, blessings of water, blessings of raiment that didn't wear out, blessings of shoes that didn't wear out, blessings of have, always having leadership, blessings of a tent, Blessings of Moses, blessings of Aaron, blessing, blessing, blessing. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And here it says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So we have our history begins before the foundation of the world. In God's mind, in his purpose, in his grace, he had the church in mind before the foundation of the world. And then we find that God must and will do something on their behalf in time. What did he do with national Israel for that 40 years? He fed them, gave them water, protected them, gave them that leader, Moses, gave them Aaron, all these things. He took care of it. Well, you know, in the purpose of God, he has decreed that the message of the Messiah, Christ, he must die in the place instead of all his elect children. Now that's the gospel. He must die in the stead and in the place of all his children. In the book of Galatians chapter 3, the book of Galatians, and this is the gospel, but you know in Galatians chapter 3 we find out that that man Abraham over there in the Old Testament had this brought to his attention. Galatians chapter 3 and there in verse 8, Abraham, so long before the children of Israel went from Ramses to Sukkoth, over to the Red Sea, over to Sinai, on and on they traveled for 40 years in the wilderness. This message is brought to us. It was brought to Abraham in the Old Testament. It tells us there in the book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee all nations shall be blessed. The gospel was preached unto Abraham? Absolutely. That's what must intersect everyone that God chose before the foundation of the world. The gospel must intersect them. The good news about a Messiah that had been promised to come in the covenant of grace had been promised to come and lay down his life a ransom, a payment price. We're all sinners by nature and we have a big debt to pay, but we can't pay it because when we start paying it by ourselves, we're incurring more debt. God requires you try to pay it, you're incurring more debt. You're not paying off anything. You're saying, well, I, I didn't sin much today. Well, yesterday, it took care of today too. And what you're going to do tomorrow is going to take care of all of it. So there's just an incurring debt built up. Monstrous interest is brought up. And the, go the great gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ says, I will take care of all their debt and all their interest. And this is well-pleasing to the Godhead. 
that he would take care of that. And that's the gospel. He would take care of our great debt. We incurred debt in Adam. Yes, in Adam all die. But our debt also is our own. From the very moment we're born, we came forth from our mother's womb speaking lies. You talk to most moms, they don't believe that until they get about two years old. Then they say, oh yeah, now I know. Yeah, that's the problem. We have that incurred debt. Adam passed to us, and then we have our own. But there is a promise given, the Lord Jesus. It tells in Hebrews chapter 4, in Hebrews chapter 4, we have this mentioned about Israel. Hebrews chapter 4, during the travels in the wilderness from place to place, the gospel was continuously being preached to them. There was that picture and type and shadow of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus on every morning and every evening in the sacrifice of the, of the morning and evening sacrifice. A lamb was required. Blood must be shed. You know, the children of Israel left Egypt because blood was shed. In the household of Egypt, I, I've said this many times, the, there was death in every household in Egypt. Firstborn or an innocent lamb. But there was death in every household. And those members of every household witnessed that death. They witnessed that shedding of blood. They witnessed that blood being placed on the doorpost by the head of the household. And we find that the church has witnessed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, or it would not be in Scripture. It is as valuable to us to see that as it was to Mary, the mother of Jesus, to see her son hanging on the cross. It's as valuable to us as it was to John or Peter to see him in his resurrected glory. That's what the word does for every believer. By faith, we believe it just like they do. All right. Here it says in verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. But the word preached did not profit them, not mixed with faith in them that heard it. You know what that means to me? It was not mixed by, with faith. That's the general call. The gospel was preached, but it made no effect. But the gospel was preached and faith was given. That's the effectual call. God provides the necessary when he calls effectually to those that were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. So our history is traced before the foundation of the world. God placed us in some home somewhere in time, and in time, that person that was born, whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, is going to come across with the gospel face to face. The parents can't take care of it, and the grandparents can't take care of it, but we will face it face on. He will bring it right to our doorstep. We will hear the truth of the gospel, and by that, God gives us the next part of our history, and that is the new birth. Before the foundation of the world, he chose a people. In time, he's going to have those people hear about what Christ had purposed in the covenant of grace and his purpose in coming into this world and his purpose of death, burial, and resurrection on the behalf of them. The gospel will be brought to them, and then God will provide something we cannot provide for ourselves, just like everything else when it comes to spiritual things. 
We read, ye must be born again, and we find out we are begotten. <laughs> we are begotten. Ch- turn with me to the book of James, if you would, chapter 1. This is our third stop. Well, it's just one of the points that along our way. <laughs> you know, when the Lord saved me, I just was really distraught because, Lord, I would have, I would have preferred you'd save me much quicker. I would have loved to have been saved when I was pastoring. And then it struck me, as also came to the Apostle Paul, when it was the right time. Yep. Okay, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 8. Or 18, excuse me. We have to have this begatting. It's part of the history of the church. It's not church history because I read a lot of people that don't have it. (laughs) They never were begotten, and they're trying to write about things they don't know about. Most commentaries are written by people who don't know anything about the gospel. But here it says, of his own will begat he us by the word of truth, by the gospel. It's not just some pablum. It's not just some story. It's not a dead dog story. It's not what most people consider the gospel, which is not a gospel, when it's left up to us to make the right decision. Of his own will begat he us by the word of truth, which we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Wow. It's a new creation in Christ Jesus. So, The history of Israel, we could follow that as they pass through the wilderness wandering step by step, name of places, water given, leadership, and all of that. But that didn't do a thing for them. The gospel was preached unto them as well as unto us, but to many of them, the gospel was not mixed with faith, so it did nothing. You know, the general call, it is what we are commanded to do. Give the call, preach the gospel. But that effectual call when faith is granted, faith is given by God Almighty, then we have something. That is the effectual call. And so it is here. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. When God does this, we learn of his great gift of imputed righteousness of Christ. The forgiveness of sins, eternal life. They're about up on the edge of the promised land. In this chapter, Aaron dies. He's reminded. This is just prior to Moses dying, just before uh, Joshua takes them into the promised land. And God commanded Moses to give them their history. That's the glory of preaching the gospel. God commands us to give us our history. I loved you with an everlasting love before the foundation of the world. You were born in Adam, a sinner. You are a sinner in every capacity, but I have your names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know where I will find them. I send out the hound of heaven, the Holy Spirit. He connects them with the gospel of the truth of the gospel. God grants to us the glorious new birth, and by it we have faith to believe God, and we're given repentance towards God and a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our history continues. You know, that through death, we should be placed in his presence. Our history continues. Nathan, will you come?